0: Yeah, good morning. Good morning, we'll be back.
1: Good morning. Okay, guys, stop sleeping. Wake up, everybody. Okay. good morning again morning morning <laughs> Yeah. so let's jump into it and um you can better hear great okay so chapter 11 business development program so i really liked how in the beginning of the chapter he i mean he steps out into our imagination so We imagine what if we would have the perfect system. What if uh, we create something that can be recreated 5,000 times? Something so perfect that if the buyer walks in, he's stunned by how everything works. It works even without you. It's predictable. It's always have perfect results. And it's going to work better than any other uh, business that this buyer ever seen. So, but I I really like how he stepped into our our imagination, and I have to say that I have very hard time imagining how that (laughs) could be applied to my business, but I was thinking about Yolanda and her coffee, because this is, I could most relate, that it can be something that eventually turned into franchise, something that every step is figured out, and it's, you know, there is a product, and system works, and... um, employees know exactly what they should do and they take pride in their responsibilities like he was saying in the book that they're happy to say what their accountabilities are they know exactly how everything works and you saw yolanda i was imagining you staying there proud and and saying how your perfect coffee business works
2: But, but veronica i want to ask can't every business
1: be franchisable you know, I don't really think so. I mean, well, okay, it can be, but if you have a coaching business, it's it's a bigger project, so you have to hire people who are smart, <laughs> who you know, like for example, Dave Ramsey, right? So you, if you're willing to bring it to that level, you have to hire your coaches. I mean, it's you probably could, but yeah. I, I think with coaching, it's 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 kind of um possible if you decide to have people who you can train because for example if i have a client and i say hey uh tomorrow you're gonna be talking with somebody with loyal lowest uh amount of skill possible (laughs) but it's gonna be great well
2: i i i i I, I disagree because that's the whole reason for the book i think because there are many brands out there right now that have coaching programs Mm -hmm. And teach coaches and they and they have a system on how to like Dave Ramsey has a program
1: but didn't i just said that that you know you can do it <laughs> um, i let you
2: say you couldn't do it
1: no no it's no, no, so not, s- not a project I oh, said it's a bigger
2: it, project bigger project yeah I just oh, okay. said it's,
1: it's a different level because it's easier to teach people how to make coffee um it's it's probably um just a different level like i said ah uh, gotcha I met a lady last night, I really, I, I
3: knew her, I know her, so I didn't meet her, but I saw a lady last night and I complimented her on her top and I told her, I texted her, doing because I had to teach yesterday, and I texted her and told her, I can't stop thinking about her shirt, <clears throat> it's so cute, <clears throat> excuse me, and she t- started to tell me where she got it from and she was like, yeah, I have a great time at this consignment shop on Del Mabry, blah, 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 so I pulled it up to see where it was and it's a franchise, mm. I was like...
4: Mm-hmm. A shop franchise?
3: Wait yeah. a Yeah. wait a minute, like I've never heard of that before last night, and so I started, you know, looking them up, and they don't have anything online, they just talk about, you know, who they are, where to find them, you know, that kind of stuff, there's no clothing or anything like that, and mm-hmm. of course they specialize in one of a kind, so a franchise who specialty is one of a kind is kind of weird to me, but can be, well, to me it's weird because when you think of a franchise, I think about going to the one in at this location and that location and finding mm-hmm. the same thing yeah. but that's not the case it was um, it was you know different it's different clothing and it's different mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. so when you think about coaching or a coaching business to me franchising it we're recording franchising it um, really takes like Veronica said a bigger project because mm-hmm. you're gonna have to find people A want to do the same thing that you want to do but can articulate it the way your business model states. In addition to that, I don't know that Dave Ramsey have this problem or not, but anybody that gets into coaching eventually wants to be their own boss.
2: Mm-hmm. But see, that's the part why I get confused because, like, with Dave Ramsey, anybody could could take his counseling program if you paid $2,000. He doesn't screen you as far as who the person is.
1: He just teaches you the system. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably have uh, maybe a legal thing that as long as you know the system, you can teach, you know, you you might not be necessarily, uh, you know, y- you hope the people who maybe buy your system, they are in heart believers in what you do, but I think especially with, with finance, uh, you know, if, if you can pass, like you pass in those certifications, if you can pass them, you'll be okay. So, but anyways, I was just thinking, you know, I do think that, yes, you know possibly businesses can be turned in franchise for me i'm not sure that that is my dream like you know he talks he talks in chapter 12 about the vision of your life i'm not exactly sure that that is my dream to franchise my business i think i would go more with the digital thing like creating some things and products and maybe you know having something that's possibly automatic so i can travel and enjoy my life so that's chapter 12 so back to chapter 11 (laughs) so uh, he kind of get us to that feeling where we can imagine that we are creators of this perfect product that everybody would love to buy because it works perfectly even without us in it or maybe especially <laughs> without us in it that it was like existing uh, super organized, perfect organized model uh, that uh, it's predictable so um It does take you to that imagination route, like, how at least you can improve your business now. How can you organize it better? Like, for me, I would want to at least have my fur business organized, so if I need to leave for two months, I have somebody that can just, you know, run my sales, for example. So I don't know about franchise, but I was thinking, okay, and I talked with uh, with Chuck before, so you, you have to have a backup. You have to have better system, so somebody can step in. Did you guys think about that? That maybe you know, uh, I mean, maybe you're perfectly ready. Like, can you leave for two months right now and somebody run your business?
2: Um, no. And and, and that's that's what that's what I think is the problem is. It's not only that you can leave for two months, can you leave for a year and somebody runs your business? Sure. The, the thing is, is that the system has to be created that no matter what you do, it still goes on without you. And well, the big piece is, uh-huh. can you create something that you could sell later?
1: Yeah, I think he, here I was thinking about, you know, if like Abdul does, you know, there's some coaching program or some, you know, some uh, digital maybe book or course, something that you can be creating, and Chuck is working on that too, right? The, so you have to have, to me, I have to have things that can self sell themselves over and also things, you know, like having, like a luggage, things created so you can add them up. Mm-hmm. So as a it word, it's a lot of work. <laughs>
2: yes.
3: <laughs> well, so, Veronica, you don't have a franchise yet, but you have to be, to, to be able to leave for two months or a year, you have to be super organized yeah. and have everything, have everything where that person will be, um,
1: uh-huh.
3: can find it,
1: yeah. you know,
3: package, ship it, all that kind of stuff. True. Um, what about people that don't have an actual, um, an item, just a service business? What kind of preparation do you make on that side? Mm.
1: Yeah, well you find somebody who will run your service, I guess, if it's physical service. What
2: well, well see that's that's what the book is saying too, Veronica. It's like uh, and not just for anyone in the room. No, oh, sure, just me.
1: The
2: the product the product is your business. I mean you, with your your, your yes. service, like McDonald's product isn't burgers, it's the it's the system itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
2: the system is what makes McDonald's work. Mm-hmm. So we have to find a way to create the system in our own business that makes our business work without us necessarily being
1: being there and showing up every day. Mm-hmm. I have a question to Chuck and Pat because they actually work in the franchise. So do you guys have something that actually in a blueprint that allows you you know to leave is it like legal do you have some legal things where people can step in and I know you talked about it before but what are the rules Uh, no we don't it
5: our franchise is kind of unique in that the the franchise portion of it is really limited to the the sales and marketing portion of the business
1: Mm.
5: whereas the actual work itself Mm-hmm. is dictated by each state's laws. So so the, it's, it's a franchise in, in the sense that it's a franchise, but it doesn't dictate how mm-hmm. we sell the clients or how we obtain clients or how we conduct transactions. That's all dictated by state law and by our own business decisions. So we've got a lot of latitude except mm-hmm. in the areas of advertising and marketing.
0: And branding, that kind of
5: thing. And branding. Right. They, they do provide us with an infrastructure for running our business, but we don't have to use it.
1: hmm But in the case of if you leave, so your plan is to, to ask some of your colleagues to kind of step in, right? Yes.
5: You yeah. mm-hmm. in our case, we don't actually own the franchise either. Uh-huh. Um, our broker owns a franchise and, and that is a business that he could sell.
1: Okay. Yeah.
5: And if like if he were to sell that business, we would be part of the business that gets sold. Now, we don't have to stay with the new owner, of course, but if he were to switch owners, we would automatically become <coughs> excuse me, agents under the new owner.
1: Uh-huh.
5: And then we could either choose to stay or leave, you, you know, because we're, we're independent.
0: We're independent contractors. Mm-hmm. Okay.
5: All employees. No. Okay. So, does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yes, it does.
5: So it, it's kind of a hybrid situation in a way. Pat and I are totally independent, but we work under a franchise.
1: You have rules written for you. That's also maybe a plus in a way. You don't have to figure them well, out.
5: I'll tell you, I, I really think it's the best of both because we have total flexibility in all the things that make us unique, but mm-hmm. all the things that need to be consistent, like marketing and the way things look, all that's already predecided, and we don't have to worry about it. It's mm-hmm. all that. all we have to do is stick with the program.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry.
1: What are you going to say, Nabdul?
2: No, I just want to ask Chuck and Pat. Could you create your own and, like, could Lucky be the mascot? Could you create your own thing like you're working in right now but put it under your own brand?
5: Not if we're going to stay with Next Home, we can't.
2: Well, no, no, no. What what I mean is if you left Next Home, could you create something similar now that you know the system?
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: If we're brokers, yes.
5: No, we don't have to be brokers to do that.
1: Can I ask you guys a question? what because you know it's different here what's the difference i mean uh, just you know what do you have to do to become a broker and what is the difference the broker is the person that owns owes everything
5: yeah it's um like to put it in the very simplest of terms the broker is the person that's responsible for all the sales so <coughs> excuse me i'm sorry got it all the sales associates and all mm-hmm. the activity that happens in that business. So the broker is the person that has all the experience and education mm-hmm. to see everybody and to make sure that everything is done legally and, and ethically.
1: Mm-hmm. So he, if something happens, as it was, he's responsible.
5: That's right. Um, <laughs> and I don't know why anybody would want to be a broker because he's responsible for anything we screw up.
1: Right, but he also gets money for- for, for
5: it, right? Well, yeah, of course, he gets a percentage. And okay. all the money runs through the broker, actually.
1: How so much percentage that does he get regularly? I'm, I'm just curious. Is it like 10%, 20%? It's different for everybody. Okay. Everybody
5: it, has a difference. It
1: right.
5: depends on how much business you're bringing through. So, right.
1: but he kinda
5: for have a new person, it would be a higher percentage, and then okay. people like us, it's a lower percentage.
1: I've worked in Ukraine, and it might be different, but I remember they kind of have almost like passive income because you are the people that make the sales sales happen, mm-hmm. and regardless they're getting their percentage.
5: Yeah, if, if they can get us to a point where we're totally able to work with no assistance whatsoever, that's ideal for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: so money coming in and they don't have to help you, right?
5: Right, that's that's the ideal thing. And and for like agents like us, you know, we don't really need them much. We may have the occasional question
1: mm-hmm.
5: about, you know, some law or something, but for the most part, we just do our transactions and everything's fine and you know they they send us our check for the our portion of the sale.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that's basically the same like very similar okay so this chapter was very small and in the end it talks about uh seven uh strategies and the first one is uh primary aim and i i love i have to say i love the chapter 12 i was so happy that it's gonna be the chapter i just love the chapter yeah let's let's jump into it because it, it goes right to the first strategy the primary aim and the basic, most important questions that you know he asked in the beginning: if you if you actually have a vision for your life, if you want to know what role you play in your life, if it's good time to actually stop from autopilot, you know, and see your bigger vision of life and what who you want to be in your life, like what kind of relationship you you want to have. What kind of vision? What you want your life to feel like? And it, it it was so great. The example of this funeral. How many of, of you knew that he was talking about funeral when he started to describe the tapestry? Like I knew right away. I'm like, oh my. What about you guys? You you figured it out?
5: About halfway through. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I, the only time I, like, like the, as soon as I just heard like candles and tapestry, I was like, oh wow. But. I do it every day, so I might get confused, so (laughs) you know like some people only have special occasions like on weddings and funeral. like I have like candlelight dinner every day so. (laughs) Seriously, I do, I love candles. So, I love the example with the funeral because, um, (laughs) you know, it's like what story you gonna tell? Sometimes we think that okay our job is one thing, you know, our relationship is another thing, we are something else. Sometimes we just run in away not to solve anything. And he says, at which point you can actually treat your life as important, as it means something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Some of us think that, you know, we live in life in the draft. Like, okay, I guess this is just yeah, have another day. So I really loved that he he was kind of pushing us to see. look, one day, this is going to be true. You know, one day you're going to be mostly right. They're going to be a coffin standing there Mm -hmm. and like, what story, how you want to be remembered, you know, what's your message? You know, uh, Brendan Borchardt has a question, had a question. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? I can't say his last name, but you you know him, it's Brendan Borchardt, yes. Mm -hmm. That's my three favorite question. Did I live? Did I love? Did I matter? So, a yeah, <laughs> it is. So my question to you is how did you feel reading this? Did you feel that? Oh, that's exactly what I'm working on right now. I'm forming my vision. I'm kind of trying to get the whole picture, nothing separated, but kind of system and you know, I love that he also talk, talked about relationships and feelings, that he doesn't like separate, oh, here's like, you are a robot in your business, and that doesn't matter. I see that he has this way of seeing like 360 experience kind of, of abundance of things. So,
2: you know, what I like about this, Veronica, is um, I meant to everyone, I think a lot of people live in life being invisible. Mm mm-hmm. I mean, and not to say about say nothing about anyone that has a job, but some people just get in jobs and they just do what it just needs, what needs to be done. And then that's what they are. But I think that the people who the entrepreneurs who stuck their neck out, their neck out and actually did things that most people said they couldn't do. I admire those people because all of us have it as human beings. We all have the, the gift from God to do amazing things. But a lot of us just settle.
1: To being just mediocre. That's what I was thinking. It's
2: it's actually disrespectful to be mediocre. Because I don't think we were created to be
1: mediocre beings. Because you neglect your power. I agree with you. Mm. So did you guys felt like when you were reading that. That you actually been like aware and conscious lately. And you are working on your vision. Yes. Yeah.
5: It's, It's very encouraging to me.
2: Yeah.
5: And... I um and actually it kind of made me I don't know if this is related but it it made me think you know the recent death of the singer George Michael and you know I was reading an article about all the all the many things that he's accomplished in his life you know all the awards and the money and the fame and everything but the one thing that stuck out to me the most was there was a little side story about how he was in a restaurant and overhearing some people in the next booth talking and the lady was crying and having there was some kind of serious problem mm-hmm. in her life mm-hmm. and what he did is he he wrote a check for twenty five thousand mm-hmm. pounds gave it to the waitress and asked her to wait until after he was gone mm-hmm. then to give it to the lady
2: he did that a lot Chuck.
5: and yeah. you know
2: mm-hmm. out of all the
5: things that i've read about the man that was the thing that i admired yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously the other things are very admirable, but that's the thing that stands out to me, mm-hmm. and that's the man I want to be. Yeah.
1: yeah, isn't that beautiful? That's
5: who I want to be. I agree. I want to be the one writing that check and handing it to the waitress and saying, here, give this to them after I'm gone. Oh, my gosh.
6: Yeah. And not- it
2: doesn't matter who gave it to them. It's just, like, it just give it.
5: Yeah, and mm-hmm. we've been able to do that a few times on a smaller scale, and, it, you know, we want to do more of that. That's what we want. Yeah. And I think
2: Marjim was gonna say something. I saw her mic go off. Were you gonna say something, Marjim?
4: Marjim, stop hiding. No, I was just gonna say that's kind of the the space I'm in right now in my in my life is looking at you know the intangible. So when um, Veronica just stated those three
1: questions, I was like, wow. Hmm. Did I live? Did I love? Did that matter? Yep. Yeah. Th- these are my favorite.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So in order for us to matter, we do need to work on ourselves. So we are in that situation where we can help, where maybe we can spend some time in the community to help somebody, where we can give a hand, where you know maybe we can have help financially or in, in any other way. So I, I really like how he asked us to step out from autopilot. hmm Yeah, from living behind the curtain, from hiding from everything, from being afraid to be on scene, and from actually God gets start living for ourselves. Yes. Like he says, one thing that was missing in my business, in my life, was me. (laughs) So I wasn't there. So yeah and you know like coming back to to the funeral i love this idea that he tells us look you are the one that writing the script not your you know not your mom not your daddy not your sister not your kid you know, not uh, your uh, I, I don't know your colleagues or your boss you the, i think the powerful thing of entrepreneurship you realize that in fact everybody's entrepreneur even if you have a job oh, yeah. That's you're entrepreneur of your life mm-hmm. so you are writing the script regardless you know yeah. do that play. <laughs> i don't think i've ever he- never
2: heard a human being say something like you know sometimes you can sit at the table and hear people say oh i thought of that idea that guy stole my idea that lady stole my idea for a business i've heard everybody i came in contact with her say something like that so that's proof that everybody has that creative thing inside of them.
1: hmm I have to say, ever since I stepped into entrepreneurship, you know, even like tiny steps, I started to realize that, you know, you have so much more in your powers and you you know, everything basically, you know, you create your life and it's like I'm now at the point that it slightly irritates me when I see people who are afraid to make a step. You know, in their own life people play in second or third role. And I think being an entrepreneur teaches us that it's on you. You know, if you are in a bad relationship, that's your choice. If you are doing the business you don't love, it's your choice. So it's like it, it, takes you, it teaches you to take responsibility and create your story. So um, I love the funeral. It's like always gets you back to the day. That's bad check. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so I believe that in this room, we all know what's the most important for us. Mm-hmm. like I was thinking yesterday I know 100% like what my most important things are how I want to see my life if you asked me a couple of years ago I'm not sure what I would say but now I know exactly how it, how I wanted to feel and how be. Yes. so that is romantic. I'm so glad I'm having this chapter I love it so <laughs> um Anybody want to say anything about this, about vision? Yolanda? Pat? I do.
0: Um, one thing I like that the book said, it says, I believe, um, let me see, I believe it's true that the difference between great people and everyone else is that great people create their lives actively while everyone else is created by their lives. You yeah. have to be waiting to see where the life takes them next.
1: Love it. I like that.
0: Yeah. yeah. The difference between the two is the difference between living fully and just existing.
1: Mm-hmm. I love this. So getting intentional about your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's and my- another one I love, warrior, he's a reminder about the the warrior things, that the warriors see everything as a challenge when the ordinary man see everything as a blessing or a curse. hmm
2: so do you think that that entrepreneurs are people that more create their life and then maybe employees are people that life kind of happens to them?
1: Mm-hmm. Hell yes.
2: Because, you know, right now I, I see this thing about Donald Trump. He keeps coming on TV and it actually disgusts me because he says this thing like, oh, I've, I've kept jobs back. And that really bothers me, not necessarily because of that, but because people are so dependent on it. Like mm-hmm. they, they, they live life thinking like, that this won't end so the entrepreneur wakes up every day thinking like if i don't do any action
1: i'm not gonna make any money right but abdul entrepreneur is a minority that's so, why it, the politicians always put the jobs on yeah
2: because but the that majority that's,
1: of people yeah. want a job
2: why do people want a job
1: the majority of people want a job so that's why in politics, oh, yeah. they always play the job role, the job thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, and then he goes in the story. Man, I now have another question. When he starts telling the story about, you know, that adventurous man, uh, how many of you guys realize, like, how soon did you realize he, he was talking about himself?
2: Well, I know, I, I read the book before. I. I I, I listened to it again I was I was I listened to the TV without it being the sound and I literally just it just shook me this morning like holy crap cuz I forgot that story mm-hmm. and I was like holy crap cuz I can see myself a lot in that story
1: hmm I can see myself in that story too I think everybody who's like having a creative life
2: <laughs> yeah because I want to say this and ask everyone a question here with this ADHD lifestyle and and you know we're not the people that get out of high school and do the same job for 30 40 years we have a retirement party and we and that's and that's that's a contribution no we're a school teacher we're a bus driver we're a freaking um, sheriff highway patrol computer technician um, author we're all over the place when it comes to careers and to an average person it looks like Man, you don't have your life together. Yeah, You're over here, you're over there. Does anyone else
6: feel that, or is that just me? Well, <laughs> I'm going to tell you like this. I am a creature of comfort, and I can do the same thing over and over. That woman of mine, nah, it ain't happening. That's, that, and see,
2: that's, that's, that's the thing she did. Because... She's ADHD. I would say you're definitely non None non you Well, know, it, it
6: comes and goes. It comes and goes. It's
1: a virus? With
6: me. With me. Now, she, that's the only reason I ended up in Europe, and I still don't have the same yeah. clothes for high school, because uh, old girl is about change.
2: Yeah.
6: <laughs> as a matter of fact, when I come home in the afternoon, I'm wondering if the friends are still going to be in the house or in the same spot. But the ball's the same color because change is inevitable. Well, well let me ask you a question, CJ. CJ,
2: she says that you have did the same routine for about, I want to say about 20 years. And, and I have an uncle kind of that same way with the same routine. Can you tell me your reasoning behind that?
6: Because I don't like change like that. Like, I put my keys, everything has to be in this spot when I, when I come home. I just, it has to be where it is, where she put her keys all over the place. And she's comfortable with that. But when it's time to look for a key, she's looking for keys. Me, I want to know where my stuff is all the time. It's right where I left it. So there.
1: Mm.
6: Hey, what's she typing? I need to look. I need to rebuttal.
1: You already, CJ, I might have you already got a death look. You you I don't know if you probably don't see if you already got a death look from Yolanda just saying. But
2: oh. <laughs> well, right. what do you guys think about that lifestyle? The the what CJ saying and, and, and the way Yolanda is, which I fall in that category. What do you guys say about that? I I would like to hear what Chuck and Pat have to say about that.
1: It's exciting.
5: It's just a different style of working. I, I see it as being very inefficient. <laughs> Are you doing the same thing? No, no, no. Being, oh. No, putting your keys where they're supposed to go, that's efficient.
0: We do ha- put our keys, when we come in, we have a little basket in our bedroom, and the keys all go in there.
5: That's usually where they go.
0: That's usually where they go.
5: Except for okay. me, that's where they go.
3: That's boring.
6: Oh, now we come in. Where <laughs> did you go? There you go. There come the fire. Where did you go? You speak on that?
0: Well, because what used to happen in our old house was because it was haphazard. Keys would be everywhere. I, I was really bad about the keys. One time, my keys were in the kitchen sink, and it took me like two hours to find my keys. In
6: oh, <laughs>
5: oh
0: in the kitchen sink? Yeah. They,
5: oh, what could Abdul be in all surprise? <laughs>
0: Fell in there, and I was supposed to go down to my mother's this a long time ago, before I even knew Chuck. And I was supposed to go down to my mom's in Fort Myers, and I looked around that house. I was really panicked. So they were in. They fell in the kitchen sink.
2: But see, I I, I always say ADHD lifestyle, and, and some of you guys don't drink here, or whatever. But it's like getting totally intoxicated. And then somebody said, you know what? You did this last night. You did that last night. And you're like, what? I didn't, I didn't dance with a penguin last night. You, you don't know nothing about that night. That's what 88, because I do things without even thinking. Yes. Like, I guarantee you those keys came there because you were probably making some juice and you put the keys in a sink and then you went and did 20 yeah. other things. Right. That's
1: what happens all there. the time. It happens all the time. Yeah. i have a key key hook i have a hook i have like an antique sewing machine and it has this little thing I actually supposed to it but it looks good as an interior decor It has like a hook so my key is always on that hook because i know it will be in the bedroom it will be inside yeah. of some book like i'll never find it unless i put it so i kind of work with my problems because i know <laughs> i can't predict them so i put
5: <laughs> that's right veronica that's the way to do it
1: yeah yeah, you know, I was just thinking just something about ADHD. You know, guys, I realized I was feeling so bad about myself when I was growing up because my parents thought that I'm totally retarded. <laughs> no, seriously. Because I, I was a great student. Like, I was knocking topics really fast in school. I was like ahead always. But uh, because I, was, I always ha- had creative math in my room and I would create things all the time. I, I remember my mom almost crying, you know, looking like, oh my gosh, how will you live your life? And so my dad, I think in my country, we had all this psychology delayed sort of, so they didn't know about ADHD, they just think that you are dumb or you are like below your IQ or, you know, your, how, how to say this? Well, I just did.
2: <laughs> it's the excitement. Like, I, I'm going to pick on your love for a minute. Yeah. No, let's go. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's go. No, the kids are quiet. You know. No,
2: because that look that Yolanda had, like when you see Yolanda, I don't know what's to that right, but that was me in school looking out the window. Because mm-hmm. I, I would always get so freaking bored and just like I just like look, I
6: gotta have some stimulation. Mother- oh, <laughs> that's her. That's her. She's gotta have like four things going at the same time. I'm like, how do you do this? She's got the TV going, she can be talking on the phone, then she's listening to me at the same time. I, I, I don't get it. my brain hurts.
1: But CJ, you will never get bored, you know, most men do. So you are in a good position, you can never get bored with your wife. That challenge you, you will never face. All, all I heard you say was, chi-ching, chi-ching,
6: <laughs> chi-ching. That's, that's, that's how she getting rid of bored.
2: But isn't that what the book is saying, though? Even though we may look down on that system, and to the ADHD person, they look down on your system. We need all those systems. Yeah. To have the perfect thing. Mm. We can't. The ADHD person is the hoarder If they live by themselves, they'll have cats living on the
1: freaking. Collector. And. What was that? I'm saying, okay, if your items are at least clean and organized and they're beautiful, you're a collector. So excuse me. <laughs>
2: You see the guilty of speaking here.
4: Yeah, I, I love my stuff.
2: What are you gonna say, Wajin? I
4: was like, there you go, Veronica. She fixed that. Quarter turned to collector. You yeah, can you guys
1: stuff. see can you guys see this?
2: My husband says he'll be
1: adults. Oh, that's me. <laughs> Freedom. Man. So but I think doesn't
6: hit me though until I'm trying to focus on some putting the system together and the stuff that we're reading in the book. Then I can't concentrate for nothing. Every three seconds I'm 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 on a different place doing something different. Do you, you feel it's
2: not naturally you? Say that again? That piece is not naturally you?
6: Right. Oh yeah. Mm. That's when it hits me. It's like, oh I'm trying to focus and meditate and I'm I'm all over the place yeah doing this doing that trying to surf the web
1: so you're gonna be for chapter 13 tomorrow just so you know (laughs) (laughs) so anyways let's go back to the story guys so he tells this fascinating story about his life that for most people discuss is a mess is a disaster is so imperfect you know, he talks about his three marriages, about jobs he tried to do, never sticked. He had the music talent, never stick with that. Uh, he used his, you know, he was driven, you know, he was in Europe. He, God knows what he was doing there. He, had, he met a woman, he went to Europe. A lot of fun, you know, excitement. Then they're coming back and um, decided to get married, having kids. And now things are really <laughs> out of control. After some time, his, his life is a mess, and he decided to move on. Then, you know what, what was interesting, how he was describing his second wife, somebody that I think maybe made an impact in him, uh, on him in a way of believing in him and being inspired by what he does. And it was interesting. I, I realized it was him when he said about her eyes that, unlike the first one, her eyes were sparkly. I realized he telling his story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because only the person who's been through these things when everything is stagnant and there, there, there is like your partner is as emotional as a fish, then <laughs> when you... Uh, or, or her eyes were sparkling because
6: he was on the juice. <laughs> and well,
1: no, up. No, she wasn't. It's a second vibe. The, the first one was.
2: Yeah, the first one didn't. Yeah.
1: I yeah. no, see more the drink. The first one ended up drinking and and doing all that stuff, but the second one was young, and she was fascinated by his personality. But still, if you think about it, he he was getting older. He has nothing behind him. Like, to look from the ordinary people, like, he is basically a loser, because he had no house, he didn't have savings, he didn't have, like, stable, you know, job at all. They were still moving around.
2: But you know what is funny about that? Even though he was in that situation, people were envious. Because they, they, they he probably lived the life
1: yes. of going to
2: these places that they wanted to live.
1: Exactly. He actually, in some weird way, he couldn't believe it, but mm-hmm. people were envious because he seemed free to them. And he was enjoying himself. He got out of the cage. He wanted to move on. He moved on. He moved his place. He, you know, he got out of a bad marriage. Most people can't do those things, so... I, I hear that about Yolanda.
6: <laughs> I hear people saying she's free. And I'm petitioning. She turned back her camera on. We want to see facial expression.
2: I, I agree with that, CJ.
6: Yolanda, why but, are you hiding today?
2: <laughs> yeah, why are you hiding today, Yolanda? Yolanda,
6: yeah. have you heard people tell you you're free before, right? You can right.
1: You stuff. Well, you have only three kids and a husband. You are free. <laughs> well, well,
2: let me ask a question CJ I saw a picture of you guys at first I thought well maybe because you know Vegas they have the Eiffel Tower because they have the Paris Hotel so I was yes. like is that the Eiffel Tower they're really in Paris would you have went to Paris if it wasn't for your London?
6: hell to the no I would have been counting dollars like I can't afford that mm. but she's the visionary so she's like we can do it honey and I was like well Hey. So then we went. And what was your feeling after you came back? That was awesome. I would have never done that if I hadn't.
2: Yeah. Uh, it, it was a great experience. That's why I think even with business, everybody has their own place. That's why you need the technician. You need the manager. You need the entrepreneur. Every, every piece is important, and even in relationships.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: need the... I want to say this word. You need the boring person. You need the fun person, and 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 and, and that makes it work.
1: No more boring I'm
6: person for me. man in the world. What? What's that? I'm the most interesting man in the world.
3: They don't get it, honey.
6: Okay,
3: moving on.
6: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know it's it's funny if you have two bright person so like let's say two outgoing one of them will actually learn how to hold how to hold grounded because sometimes you know you can help it like let's say you made a couple with somebody who is just as crazy as you are you're going to learn those qualities you are in denial just to survive you will learn how to be more organized you will learn how to ground a little bit the other person and the other person will learn how to ground you so you basically gaining because yeah, I mean, so two
2: crazy people are meant to be, You think that's? I, I see it as a disaster. I no, think
1: like one
3: awesome. of them will one of them learn, just like Veronica said. Yeah, continue. you
1: learn the qualities you, you you were in denial of. I, I know what I'm talking about. But, Wei do you have something to add? Um, no, but I do think that
4: um opposites opposites attract.
3: Um,
4: and I think opposites um create balance. When two people, uh, you know, of opposite personalities get together, it actually like balance. My husband balances me out. Um, I'm the probably the more vocal one in the relationship. I do that. Um, and he's a little bit more um, laid back, I would say. Uh, he's a, he has a silent strength to him. Mm-hmm. So when he does uh, say certain things. He get my attention because he doesn't. Especially when he say no, he doesn't say no often. But when he says no, it's a definitive no. Like
2: there's no, there's no proper compromise. This is just what it's gonna be.
4: Exactly, and since it's not something he does regular, you know, often, when he when he does it, it's, um, it's not even he's not even challenged um, with it. But he is also one of those people who puts his keys in the same place <laughs> uh-huh. every day. Um, and so I think uh, for that personality type, that's, that, that provides uh, consistency and comfort. He's retired military, mm-hmm. you know, so he had a routine then. He has a routine now. Um, and it works for him. He gets mm-hmm. up every morning at like 4 o'clock and he runs and back home before I even open my eyes. Wow. Um, he's, that, he's that guy. That would never be me
1: well that's great when it works like i used to like people who are opposite of me but now i have nothing in common with my opposites i have to like i have found interest whether you know regardless uh that someone who's similar to me because then we have topics to talk we can be on the same page what about you guys well you are different pet and chuck but you have the uh same goals you're like very united
5: we do, and I have a lot of
6: ADD tendencies.
1: <laughs> Main one is right next to you.
6: I like that, tendencies. Yeah, I just,
1: mm-hmm. mine, are,
5: mine are well under control.
1: Good. That's why we see that every morning.
2: You see, that right there, Chuck, I think is everything that the ADHD person has to battle, because we feel that we're not in control. And I used to think that, like, am I all over the place? Like, is that bad? But really, I don't think it's bad. I think it's good. Mm-hmm. Like an entrepreneur, like I was in this think tank, and the guy said, look, before you guys go upstairs, I just want to let you know, it's going to be messy. Because when you're being creative, it's messy. Mm-hmm. You look at Einstein, Einstein's desk, it's messy. You have to get messy in order to create. But the organized person that puts things in the same place at the same mm-hmm. time, are they, really, are they really creative? No. Can they think on the fly? Do they have uh, ten thousand ideas in their head before lunchtime? You know, but the ADHD person, like, that's a problem you had. I they they can they can problem solve in thirty seconds.
1: Yeah, but there are also people who are kind of uh, have quality of both, and this quality came out depends on the situation. For example, I'll tell you an example, like. Right. In my ex-marriage, I've learned all these things that I was in denial of doing just because my husband wasn't taking care of them. So I've learned how to pay bills on time, how to check things. So I became this, like, robot in certain things because if I wouldn't, we would get our electricity cut off mm-hmm. uh, because he just will forget. So he also he also had ADHD, but me having that, you know, being that too, I learned how to get things on track just because... It, you know, just because of that. And also, I've learned how to not, um, when you have an argument, how to turn it or how to stop it or how to give a break because I knew exactly the explosion will happen. So I've learned all those things. I was suffering myself and I was in denial of being in a relationship with a person who suffered from the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So now, like, I'm, I'm great and handling some things I thought I, I was the worst at. So we do sometimes, you know, our qualities can be pulled, uh, kind of, uh, you know, get out of us in a certain situation. Do you agree, Chuck? You want to say something? Yeah, yeah. I do, I
5: and mean, I think they're coping skills. They're, you know, some things. <laughs> like,
1: hello. Some,
5: some <laughs> things we've done out of necessity.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: So getting back to the story. <laughs> so. Um, He's sharing the story with Sarah, and I think it was the best thing he ever did. Because when he started sharing the story, she realized, okay, (laughs) you know, this guy who is showing me this perfect system, you know, who is on my case, basically, who see all my flows and see how to put them together. He was the most unorganized person, most ADHD, most creative person that she probably ever heard of. So now she can relate to him. hmm Chuck? Yeah. yeah. You, you, I felt like you, you want to say something.
5: No. No. I, I was just...
1: Can, can, I, can I have
2: an ADHD moment right now? And I just I'm just want to say, Chuck, <laughs> and I, we can get right back on the point. You know no, no. do a, a good um, Colonel Sanders. Huh? You could be, you could, you can do a good Colonel Sanders with those glasses on. I'm seeing right now. Man. I said you could dress up like Colonel Sanders and totally like be girl. But that's that was ADHD. I just oh. to say that. I
1: am, I am, I am so
5: that's good to know. Thank you. sounds like that. Screw you. You made my day. Yeah, I'll give you a chicken leg. <laughs>
6: That was funny. <laughs> you like chicken legs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but okay. so we can get back. Yeah.
1: yeah. Thank you, Abdul. That was a, power, a, a very valid point. Well, thank you. <laughs>
5: okay. Okay. I'm glad to know that now.
1: You, you always add value in the middle of conversation. That's what I like about you.
2: <laughs> Just because of the color of the hair and the glasses. Those glasses are totally like the glasses that he will wear. <laughs> but they're cool glasses, by the way. Thank you, I like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I be to mess the whole thing Let's get back on track, back on the
1: So yeah, what okay. do you guys think about that? When, you know, he, so he's sharing the story, you know, all three marriages, you know, looking for, ju- you know, kind of, you know, going around, trying different things. And things he tried, he was doing well, but then he realized he, the stuff that he does kids in his teens can do. and so. He, he feels that he, maybe he has some talent, but he's not sure. And then, you know, his second marriage goes to an end and there is another child, there is another marriage. And, and, then, and then some opportunity kicks in. But I just want to say I was so happy that he actually told her, Sarah her story because in the beginning of the book last year when I was reading it, I felt like, you know, he came to this woman's business. She's exhausted. She's beyond exhaustion. And he comes in and like, hey, this is how you need to run your business. Mm-hmm.
2: Problem solved.
1: So, what I was wondering how Sarah was feeling when this guy, he, she knows nothing about, she was up at her place, she's beyond exhausted, and he tells you, he tells her, oh, you know, you need to change things. Like, how many of us would, like, tolerate this? Like, when somebody comes in, you don't, you know, and tells you, well, you know, when you're not prepared, If she was ready for the change, because otherwise mm-hmm. the teacher wouldn't appear.
2: Yeah, she was. You know, I would ask... Actually, if I had the chance to interview that guy, Michael Gerber, I would ask it, actually ask him, like, did he feel like he was a loser before he actually found consulting? Because he couldn't stay at any job. He tried things. He was fired. He was this. He was all over the place. He was playing the saxophone. I mean, he was just all over the board. But that, when because when, people watch you when you do different things, and they're looking like, yeah, they're interested, but, like, what is he doing like what's going on with that but like a, a guy like cj shows up and he said man this guy's been the same job for 20 years you know 30 years nothing kind of thing but i don't know i i i would ask him like did he feel
1: like a loser
2: doing those stages
1: but he says in the book that uh and he he felt that nothing was wrong with him he says it in the book when he was already coming to middle age or something i mean he was somewhere further and he says and he has this new wife but he has no house they're moving around and he says and the, the most ridiculous is that he feels that nothing wrong is with him
6: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. so he felt pretty good i believe because he, he said that he, he felt totally fine as if that was normal he says it in the book yeah there, yeah. there might be some more thoughts
4: yeah because that was his norm so yes, it was his norm. And so back to that term CJ always uses when we don't know any other way. So that's mm-hmm. how he lived his life. At that time he didn't know any other way. That's just kind of how he, you know, did things.
2: Yeah. But but his friend saved him though by asking by asking because was it correct or wrong, but did his friend have the consulting business?
1: It's his brother, I think.
2: His brother? Yeah, his brother. Yeah, brother. Had the mm-hmm. consulting business. That changed his life. That changed the whole course of his life.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Right,
2: but all those things that he went through prepared him for.
1: Yes.
4: So, what they say, my I just said, you know, absolutely. And I find it, I find it, um, for me, uh, powerful and encouraging um, when I um, meet someone who's successful or who is doing something that I'd like to be doing or where I would like to be. Mm-hmm. And I learned their backstory that mm-hmm. they didn't have, you know, a silver spoon in their mouth. You know, they had some struggles. They had some challenges. That is, that is always so powerful to me because we kind of meet people uh, at where they are today, and we don't know their backstory mm-hmm. until they choose to, to share it. And then when they share it, we're just like, wow. And then what it does to the average person is it kind of gives them hope. yes all of this and and you you know survived all of that and Mm. you're now accomplished and successful you know however you deem success right all of those things it's like wow
2: I have a question to ask but I'm gonna hit pause in this recording real quick
1: yeah I would like to say this Uh, yes (laughs) so I would like to say this so we're going right to the part after struggles and many changes and travels and, uh, you know, having uh, a lot of uh, exciting things in his life, the, the hero finally uh, settles down a little bit, in a way, and uh, he finds this opportunity of counseling. And what was striking for me, and I think what struck his mind and he was set for that, is that idea when he realized he has no idea how their business works, but then he realized that they don't have any idea either, that nobody knows what they're doing. And that's why he felt power, because he realized that there is a potential in figuring out the system. And he's the one that's been through a lot of imperfections in his life. And he realized that just as everybody else. And I think it really struck his mind that he realized it's not just him not knowing but people who are in that that business have no idea what they're doing either with the system. I agree. Any comments? Any more insights? So then we are at the perfect spot for tomorrow chapter 13. Well
2: actually I wanted to say to Marco remember we were talking about we, we should read some and I want to say two days, but maybe one day is the deal. But we should also implement the things that we read. Mm-hmm. Um, I know last week we talked about emails. Oh, okay. And, um, Chuck, I know we had, we had left off where you, you wanted to write, like, the first email you were talking about. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. We were talking about whitelisting or something like that. What were you, you were supposed to add something? Oh, we're going to talk
5: about the Can-Spam Act.
2: The Can-Spam Act. Okay. Maybe, maybe we can talk about that, and then maybe uh, we can talk about, um, and this is open for anybody, maybe your first three emails that you should send to your, your audience. All right. And, Wajin, you know about this, too, because you've already written your part of your email series, haven't
4: you? Right, right, to go with the lead magnet. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, to go with your lead magnet.
4: Yeah, we have, I have a series of a
1: total of four
2: okay okay yeah. you know
1: i do like this idea i was thinking yesterday that we were supposed to to do the practical thing today but so let's do it tomorrow
2: yeah i think it's good to kind of work on that together because sometimes we can go by ourselves and get lost and then who knows we may just stop doing it
1: yes wow
2: and that's a beautiful uh, background behind you guys uh, Chuck and Pat.
5: thanks that's our backyard
1: i see some snow falling oh it's pretty
2: <laughs> oh man it's crazy snow back there <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Veronica is
2: a mess. <laughs> Eighty
4: degrees.
2: <laughs> Eighty degrees. I don't know yeah. Actually I'm gl- I'm glad it's winter because I, I I can't go out and do anything. My ADHD mind would just make myself bored. When I had if I was in that weather, I don't know if I can get any work done. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I love the change. <laughs> I, I wouldn't th- your weather either. <laughs> I like The <laughs> weather doesn't have anything to do with
0: it. Don't make an excuse.
2: I know. it's Right. It's the total biggest news. It's all this. <laughs> yeah.
5: Guys, we just this. Uh, you move someone else, you, you move your problems with you. You know what? That's so true.
3: Because
2: mm. you're taking <laughs> yourself with you. So, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: you're uh, moving that,
2: that is so true. Because <laughs> there's so many people that are moving away from their problems. And they're like, well, why am I having the same problem here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This place sucks, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's very uplifting. So
5: <laughs> hey, we, we are so lucky to live here. Yes, I know. I know. It, it's going to get cold tomorrow, though. The high tomorrow is only going to be sixty-one. Yeah.
1: Oh
2: my God! Stop this.
1: <laughs>
3: hey,
6: that's cold for Floridians. That's going I have on fur boots. i Find my so. jacket.
2: <laughs> you ever had? You haven't been so cold that your nerves just start itching.
6: Yeah. <laughs> wow. we had that when we saw your video the other day. <laughs> you That's how that cold we it gets
3: had you. That snow on your mustache—we were itching like this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you guys should experience. They should have a machine at the at the Florida State Fair to say experience what a winter is like in South Dakota. And you go in that machine and you have a, a 30 second experience, people will come out and pass out.
3: They had that downtown at uh, during Christmas time, I don't know if it's still there now, but it's a snow, it's a big old um, tent, it's huge.
4: Yeah.
3: Ice skate, snow, uh, I guess it's sn- snow skate where you come down to snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know what it's called, but they had that. But we're not interested, because yeah. it's 61 degrees and it's gonna be freezing for Floridians, but you can tell the snowbirds are walking around in shorts
4: and flip flops. Oh yeah, Hawaiian shades. Uh, it's, it's not the same though, Abdul. Trust me. No matter how Florida try to make winter, it doesn't work. <laughs> it is no comparison. Uh, don't, don't worry, they have a miserable summer.
6: Oh now, yeah. However,
4: however, I will tell you there is a um, hotel resort in Orlando called the Gaylord Palms. Yeah. And uh, every year um, they have an ice display. Actually is um it's amazing it's spectacular but literally it's nine degrees um and they provide the co- exactly and they provide the coat. Oh my god. So what was interesting when we were in line, we took her granddaughter last year. When we were in line people had shorts and flip-flops. They gave you these Parker coats that came a little bit below your knees but it's mm-hmm. nine degrees okay and people came out looking like icicles. They were burgundy. They had passed red. They had went to burgundy. I could only stay in there probably eight minutes. I went through so fast because at nine degrees, your your fingertips start to hurt and everything. But it's spectacular. But um, I I know what nine degrees feel like. So I had on my long johns, I had on my jeans, you know, my special gloves and all those things. And then I came out and took off all those clothes. <laughs>
1: These people are totally unprepared for life.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Unprepared for life.
0: I am so glad I don't live in cold weather anymore. I I paid my dues. You you
2: you did do it in New York. That's right.
0: Yeah, I lived in New York most most of my adult life until age 32.
3: I had that experience in New York, and it wasn't even snowing. Man.
1: But guys, you know, winter keeps you fresh and beautiful. It's the secret of youth because you're frozen. You know, like in a, <laughs> in, a, in, a <laughs> in a frozen face. <laughs> your face. Uh-huh. <laughs> your face. <laughs> so your face stays the same years and years and years.
2: Veronica. Yeah,
1: right. so Veronica. Oh my Okay, God. guys. Have yeah. a wonderful day. All right. Bye okay, bye. Right. See you tomorrow.